podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Mike Gundy and Gary Patterson don't have back-to-back down years. They just don't. That is... until now? I'm Chris Ross, and this is the 1012 Podcast, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. If you caught the Pigs episode this week, then you know that I teased a bonus episode. As Philip and Parker Fleming from the Stats of War podcast waited on me to get back so we could record our picks, they had a discussion about the Big 12's two most tenured coaches. Perhaps we should thank the traffic because I thought that discussion was so good that it needed to be its own episode. Oklahoma State head coach Mike Gundy and TCU's Gary Patterson, they're just not having the bounce back year many expected. Should we be concerned? Or as Texas makes their way back, have the Cowboys and the Frogs already peaked? Before we get to that, though, if you have not checked out the content on ESPN+, Plus, you really need to. It's, it's seriously great. The Miles to Go series alone is worth the $5 a month, but then you also get all the Big 12 Now content, and there's also the, the basketball games that are going to be on there this year. So if you're a big basketball fan, you're definitely going to want to check it out. You can get a free trial by clicking the link on the 1012's Twitter account. It's pinned to the top. That's at T-E-N-12-PODCAST. Philip will take over after the break to help break down what's going on in Fort Worth and Stillwater. Friday, that means that we are making picks, but before we get to that, I'm very excited to have our guest on today. 
I brought him on for a very specific reason. Part of it was picks, but part of it was because I wanted to have a, a certain conversation. Uh, Parker Fleming writes for Frogs of War or in his pod Stats of War. And, and he and I got into a conversation about the current situations with Oklahoma State and TCU and some of the similarities between what's going on in Fort Worth and Stillwater. You know, we're looking at the two longest tenured head coaches in the Big 12, in fact, two of the longest tenured head coaches in college football at their current school. I think they rank uh, third and – no, they may be second and third now, uh, if I remember correctly. And two programs that they have down years now and then, but typically down year followed by awesome year. Well, right now they're both in the midst of a second straight disappointing season for varying reasons. Um, a lot of questions about are, are things okay? Do we need to have a uh, a real soul searching of this program? Uh, so Parker, first off, welcome back to the show, man. Glad to have you here. Um, Chris is going to join us for picks in a minute, but I just want your kind of observation and, and kind of what do you think is going on in Fort Worth right now? Because this team is, I mean, offensively, there's obvious issues. They both have some, both have young quarterbacks who are still trying to figure things out. But I'm just as concerned about TCU's defense, which is usually what we expect to be good at TCU under Gary Patterson. Yeah, well, um, thanks for thanks for having me on. Always always glad to be part of the podcast. Um, I think that I'm actually in the minority, uh, especially talking to TCU fans on Twitter. I'm not as worried about the defense. I think the defense is not as good as it has been, but it's still a, a pretty good unit. By some of my measures, um, you know, I like to look at expected points added EPA. TCU could be the second best defense in the Big 12, depending on um, what you're looking at. And so I think there's an argument that they're, they're still a top half defense, even if they're a down year. Um, a lot of the defensive issues are circumstantial, uh, offensive fumbles, really, really bad punting. And so I think the problem and the reason that people are focusing on TCU's defense is, uh, one Gary Patterson, who is perhaps humble to a fault and doesn't really let his coordinators talk to the media. And so there's not a lot of media conversation about the offense because Patterson controls that narrative and he focuses on the defense because he's being humble and because he's focused on the defense. So um, that's really what a lot of people are talking about is because Gary gets in these um, press conferences on, on Tuesday and says things like, yeah, I made, you know, I made a bad call and that's why we lost the Kansas State game. And um, I, I think that's just you know, patently untrue. But um, that's, that's why a lot of people are focusing on the defense. Yes, we gave up a ton of points to Iowa State, but also Iowa State started with the ball inside TCU's 30 like three times in that game. So of course we're going to give up a lot of points to them. Um, I think the real issue with, with TCU is the offense and the way that Gary Patterson is talking about the defense. It sounds like he thinks the offense is doing what it needs to. And that is really disconcerting as a TCU fan. And as someone just observing the landscape of the big 12, it doesn't feel like TCU is making that step into modernity like uh, everyone else kind of is. And that's what you and I started talking about is I think TCU and Oklahoma state are in weirdly similar positions uh, because everyone else in the Big 12 is a little bit retooling and moving forward. It feels like TCU and Oklahoma State are just doing the same things and hoping it continues to work. You know, this is something you see, and let me just say this. I don't think that you, you see conversations on Twitter, and, and fans are fans, fans short for fanatic. Like, the, we, as a fan, we tend to think more emotionally than with, you know, logic and reason. So any arguments of they don't care or 
you know, they blah, 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 blah. That's throw it all out the window. Don't, don't come at me with, obviously they don't care about what's going on or they're, they're just being lazy. Stop. Now that said, there is something to, as we see coaches get older, um, they, they get a little bit more stubborn. Uh, they don't have, I don't want to say they don't care, but there is something to the drive that was once there isn't always as strong. And I don't mean that to say like they don't care or they're less interested or it's not important to them. But as, I mean, shoot, I, I have a lot less energy now than I did when I was in my 20s. What do you think is the more likely reason for what's going on? Is this just two teams who are going through down periods? Because these are two non-traditional programs. And maybe our expectations because of what they've been built to are, are a little bit unrealistic to assume that these programs would never take any sort of dip. Um is it just this is just something that's going to happen and we expect both teams to bounce back or are we kind of seeing that stuff that happened with Bob Stoops, um, things that happened with with Bowden, just just as coaches are at a program for long enough and, and over a period of time, maybe just maybe they, it just gets harder and harder for them to to course correct when things start to really change around them. I think that there's a, a couple of effects going on here. So first, I'll note the, the longest tenured coach right now is Kirk Friends in Iowa. And he feels like a different kind of breed because of the recruiting pipeline he has that is so established that his his median is going to be eight wins. Um, and they're going to fluctuate around that and they'll go to the Rose Bowl one time and that's going to be great. But um, that, that I feel like is an entirely different thing just because the recruiting pipeline he has is so established. He can continue in this weird Big Ten West that hasn't had a lot of good teams to continue to be average to above average every year. Um, on the, on the flip side, you look at TCU and Oklahoma state, and I think they both really, really benefited from a period in the, uh, 2010s where Texas and Oklahoma were both down relatively. And that seems crazy to say about Oklahoma because obviously they've, they've, they've had a resurgence, but you look at, um, you know, OU from 2012 to 2015 ish, and they weren't the same caliber dominant that they are now and that they have been historically. And so, Oklahoma State and TCU really, really benefited from that and both had upswells. And so you'd expect there to be there to be downswells, but also you'd expect them to kind of settle into a pattern with these established coaches of we get some guys, we develop these guys, and then we're awesome. And that's kind of what TCU came onto the scene in the Big 12 as a terrible team. And then those guys developed, and then they were awesome in, in 14. Then they got a transfer quarterback in uh, – or awesome in 14 and 15 – Got a transfer quarterback in 16, struggled, but when he gelled in 17, they were great. Um, and then last year had to start a new quarterback. And so you can think about these kind of development cycles. I'm not, you know, I'm not crazy. I don't expect TCU to go 10 and 2 every year, but at the top of their development cycle, they should go, they should go um, be, be really competitive, especially for the Big 12 championship. And I think that we're seeing disruptions in these development cycles in both program. So, you know, Sean Robinson didn't pan out at TCU. And if he was a third year um, right now coming at TCU and starting, I think this TCU team is, is different. Um, probably because that means Sean Robinson's a different person, not person, sorry, a player than different player than he actually was on the field uh, before he transferred and everything. But you, you, you think about just kind of these, these development cycles and how they get disrupted. And it's really hard to have this macro lens with such a short time period and see all these, you know, see OU be awesome and see Texas feels like they're inevitable again. Um, it's 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 really hard to kind of understand. Hey, is this is this a dip or is this just a cycle? I think it is a cycle, and I think TCU and Oklahoma State are both 
um, suffering just from small disruptions in the cycle. And that, that stinks because that's going to be, you know, it's, it's not a one year fix. Um, it, it, it's going to be, you know, two or three years to, to kind of write the ship in terms of developing everybody. Cause, uh, I don't, I don't know as much about Oklahoma state's roster, but for TCU, I mean, you've got Jalen Rager, Darius Anderson, Chiwo Lanalua, Ross Blacklock, um, Lucas Niang. It's, it's their senior year. This is, this is the, this is the core. If you had a quarterback, this, this should be the year, you know, um, Alamo Bowl at least. And so it's really frustrating to see the quarterback just get disrupted and, and that not happen. Um, as for, as for, is this going to be emblematic of the future? Are they, are they down? Are they up? Um, or are they going to write the ship? I, I'm worried about both programs. I thought, for instance, uh, the Gleason hire for Oklahoma State was awesome. And then at Big 12 Media Days, I asked the question to Mike Gundy, coach, what, what's going to be different about your offense with Gleason? How, how do you feel like he's going to improve your offense? And he basically said he's not. He's just going to call my plays. And that was a little bit shocking. Um, and same kind of thing with TCU to a different level. They hired Malcolm Kelly, who was a receiver at Oklahoma, and supposedly was going to bring this downfield offense and kind of influence TCU. And that hasn't manifested. And so even if there are small steps trying to modernize specifically on the offensive side of the ball, they haven't really panned out for whatever reason. And so I think that is a big source of kind of fan and my uh, discontent is just saying it doesn't look like you're doing anything to rectify the situation. It looks like you're just trying to ride out the trend and that doesn't feel like that's going to continue to work for it. I do think there's something to, I, I remember Gundy's quote and at the time I heard it, my, my mindset was that's, that's what they're going to do. They're going to, they're going to run OSU's offense, but that doesn't mean that Gleason's not going to have his fingerprints all over it. Um, I, I haven't gotten to watch as much, TCU is. I have OSU as obviously as an OSU guy, but because I'll say this, watching the games right now, the issue for OSU is that Spencer Sanders just can't handle the whole offense. They're they're having to to keep the offense simple while he continues to improve and learn and grow. Um, and I've so I, I am curious. You know, I, OSU this year is a similar situation. You have Tylen Wallace. You you have some other good receivers. You've got Chuba Hubbard. These are guys that are probably going to be gone next year. Uh, you got some issues on defense, but it, it very much feels like a year where had if they had a Mason Rudolph at quarterback, they wouldn't be four and three. They 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 probably wouldn't have have had that bad a game against Texas Tech. They probably they probably could have beaten Texas, um, but they don't. They have they have Spencer Sanders who's still learning and makes a lot of mistakes. And I wonder if this is a situation of both schools are breaking in new quarterbacks who just aren't. Ready yet? I think back to you know you look at Ellinger now. Let's remember a few years ago he was not very good. Oh my gosh, freshman Ellinger was a disaster. Yeah. Oh well, think back at Charlie Brewer. Charlie Brewer could couldn't even get the job. And you look at Charlie Brewer now. We saw the talent with Ellinger. We saw the talent with Brewer, but it wasn't. I mean, obviously they were young and they weren't ready. And I kind of look at at Duggan and I look at Sanders and I go, that's what I think we're looking at right now. I, or at least I hope that's what we're looking at with both of them is two very talented guys with very high ceilings who are just in their first years and just it, they're just going to take them some time and it's going to be frustrating to watch. But here in another year or two, we will see two of the top end quarterbacks in the Big Twelve, and a lot of these problems that everyone's and fans are concerned about are going to kind of go away because, man, if you don't have a quarterback, unless you've got uh, an SEC level talent defense, you're, you're not going to win a lot of games, especially not in the Big Twelve. Definitely. And I think that is um, kind of where I believe that Oklahoma State and TCU diverge is that I do believe that Spencer Sanders in Mike Gundy's offense as a senior will be great. Um, I am less confident about Max Duggan 
in Sonny Cumbie's offense as a senior. Just because you you know you said the phrase um, or something to the effect of uh, Spencer Sanders can't handle the whole offense, and so you're kind of having to limit yourself. And TCU has the exact opposite problem that TCU won't adapt the offense to play to Duggan's strengths. So Max Duggan does not have an interception through six games now, um, and that's not an accomplishment. That is a black mark on TCU's offense because they haven't been aggressive. And they basically are sticking to, you know, Max, we're going to make you throw the ball uh, out uh, to a screen. So you're going to throw it at the line of scrimmage, or you're going to throw it 30 30 yards down the field to the sidelines. Um, And so this really, really weird offense that doesn't let Duggan's strengths flourish, where Duggan is great. You know, he's good with his feet, but he's really great um, tempo and getting the ball in the middle of the field. Uh, Against Iowa State, TCU basically threw uh, in the second half only through in the middle of the field because they were, you know, quote unquote, playing from a playing from a deficit. And so that somehow changed what works on offense. Um, but they were successful when they were going over the middle of the field. And then as soon as the game got close again, they went back to running and screen passes and everything. So I think that um, the lack of innovation on TC's offense makes me worried about the development cycle taking hold. I have no doubt that Max Duggan could continue to be the guy. Um, but also, it, you know, we, we love Max Duggan, but Matthew Baldwin, transfer from Ohio State, is waiting in the wings. He's got some health issues. He's going to be a redshirt this year and and compete for the job in the spring. Who knows what that's going to bring? But still, if the offense doesn't change, it makes me worried about TCU staying relevant, especially because you can't rely on defensive dominance year in and year out in the Power Five. Maybe it's I'm just trying to be optimistic. Um, but I just have a hard time seeing both of these teams going in a, a just down. I I understand from an OSU side, there's been some issues since 2017, though I think some of those 2017 things are a little bit overstated, trying to point to the record of OSU losing as a favorite. I would just think TCU was better that year. Um, I I am curious as far as TCU goes, you're not the first person to say you think Sonny Cumbie, and we said this off air, should be gone or will be gone at the end of the season. I think Shahan has, has told me uh, as much. Do you think he is gone at the end of the year? Um, I mean, honestly, do you do you think that, that Gary Patterson will make a move at offensive coordinator at the end of this year? Okay, I need to say one. The Shahan episode was awesome. That dude is so smart. Um, oh, and he's, he's fantastic. It also made my heart leap when he mentioned that because I have heard no one outside of the TC circle talking about moving on from Sonny Cumbie. There is a very strong relationship between Patterson and Cumbie. And Patterson is, shall I say, hard to work for. But if you commit to him, he will commit to you. Um, You know, he doesn't fire guys midseason and really hasn't had a lot of turnover. Um, You know, Dick Bumpus retired. Randy Shannon took another job. Uh, The only only ones that really happened were Jason Phillips, and that was – not really football related. Uh, he kind of left the program midseason, and then Doug Meacham got uh, encouraged to go elsewhere. But that was more <laughs> that was more too many cooks in the kitchen than anything else. So I'm actually pretty worried um, with with the stuff that Gary Patterson's talking about, and I, I feel like his diagnosis of the team is um, poor, uh, just from an offensive standpoint. He's a, a defensive genius. He knows more about me than football. I don't mean to do that. I'm just saying. I don't think that he thinks that Cumbie is the problem. Uh, I was a little bit in, impressed because, or excited because after the SMU game where there were some truly baffling offensive calls, Gary Patterson made Sonny Cumbie available to the media, which I think I said that earlier, 
he never does that. And so I thought that was going to be the start of him figuring out, hey, uh, we need we need a new offensive coordinator. But it looks like he's backtracked and, and realized that that put a lot of pressure on Cumby and a lot of light on Cumby. So he's kind of pushed away. So I ideal scenario, we hire an offensive-minded coach in waiting, and they come be our offensive coordinator for three years. And then Gary Patterson becomes um, secret assistant to the athletic director slash minister <laughs> of fun and culture or whatever you want to call it. And that guy takes over. I think I, I'm very skeptical that that Cumbie will be uh, somewhere else next year. Yeah. It's, Gundy doesn't like firing guys unless he absolutely has to, or they're just not doing their job specifically on the recruiting trail. So it, you know, the older they get the, that happens. You like yep. to find guys that want to stick around. You you hate hiring new coaches. I, I've Gundy's talked about it. it's not his it's his least favorite thing to do is to have to go through the process of hiring new coaches. So they like to get guys who who want to stick around. I think sometimes and with Gundy's case, I think that's kind of to his detriment in some cases. Um, guys who there's benefits to having young, hungry assistants who may only be around for a couple of years. Um, over there's 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 benefits to longevity and consistency. Um, though some of that is, you know, sometimes that works. It, it, it's great if it's working. It's not so great if it's not, you know. So I'll, I'll be curious to see what uh, what happens with both teams moving forward as far as uh, as coaching changes, whether anything is done or not. And uh, I mean, I, I do think a lot of this is once both teams have have quarterbacks who are benefits to the program. Um, which a lot of that it'll mask a lot of the problems and, and people will be a whole lot happier. Definitely. Although I I wonder if TCU fans aren't gonna get wise because we complained a lot about Kenny Hill and I would take Kenny Hill back in heartbeat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Kenny Hill is the problem. So yeah, there's there's a little bit of that. Also, but I mean, what conference what conference has better coaches top to bottom? Baylor has made a great hire. Texas Tech has made a great hire. Neil Brown, with the roster he has and what he's done this year, West Virginia's made an incredible hire. I thought West Virginia was going to go 0-6 to start the season with the, with the um, schedule they had. And they've, they've made great hires. Bob Stoops stepping down and letting Lincoln Riley take over. I mean, you just see all of these places. Matt Campbell signing an extension. Matt Rule at Baylor, who I'm a TCU fan, but I'll say Matt Rule's a really great guy. And I'm glad that there's a good, upstanding person in Waco right now. But you look at all those teams, everyone's made recently this this kind of young, progressive step forward. We're moving into the future of football. We're going to be excellent hire. Um, and TCU and Oklahoma State still have the same coach. It feels like it's 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 hard to not feel stale, you know, just, just by comparison alone. And say it feels like the rest of the Big 12 is moving into the future and TCU and Oklahoma State aren't, which is um, a little nerve-wracking. I mean, I, I will argue that Gundy has tried to make changes. This is Jim Knowles' second season. He's tried to do something different with the defensive scheme. Um, obviously, he hired Sean Gleason, who's a young and exciting offensive coordinator. My, my issue with Gundy was never so much with coordinators. I thought he always did a, a pretty decent job of with coordinators. He's he's just overly loyal to older uh, position coaches. He likes guys that are older and want to stick around for a long period of time um, more than anything. I, I, and that... I think sometimes to certain position groups detriment. Uh, definitely. Yeah. And, and the Gleason hire, I love it. I don't, I don't know if that's changed much, but on paper ex ante, I thought that was an awesome hire. Again, I think it's more to do with Spencer Sanders than anything else at this that's point. Right. I just, they, 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 you know, you, you can only do so much with a guy who can only digest so much of the playbook and has a, a very slow time right. reading defenses. Um, but I, I do wonder, you know, 
Bob Stoops had the, that low period, and he finally went out and hired Lincoln Riley. He's like, all right, let's just go find someone who's going to do something aggressive and different. And, and you know, it, it's a you look at Mike D'Antoni in, at Michigan State, and Guy's offense was terrible, and instead of firing anybody, he just moved everybody around, and it has been a giant mess. It's exactly what everyone thought it would do. Nothing. Yep, and Luke Fickle is going to take his job at the end of the season. <laughs> Very good chance that happens, and and I and I kind of hope that I think Gundy and Patterson are both really smart guys, and I think they know their school really well. I think they know their programs really well. Um, as long as they avoid becoming just stubborn old men who just want to do what they want to do, and at some point, you know, it's if at first you don't succeed, try, 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 try again. Um, I think both programs will be fine. It'll just. I'm not. I'm not waving the white flag on either one at this point. It's a second down year, but we're talking about again young new quarterbacks. I'd like to see what happens next season for both schools before I'm in any sort of like. Um, we may need to have some internal soul searching. I'm just. There's obviously some things that need to be addressed, but as far as overall, hey, maybe it's time to start the head coaching uh, list, putting that together. I'm not. I'm not there for either program yet. Right, and I, and I've seen that about Patterson, and I'll say that unequivocally. The the time is not to. It's not the time to talk about Patterson in terms of moving on. It's we need to talk about the offensive coordinator for sure. But um, it's not. I don't. I don't think Patterson moving on from Patterson is the solution or even something we should be doing now. So I definitely, I definitely agree that if it's just a bump in the road. If it turns into something worse, then that conversation might want to be had. Hey guys, a couple of things before we go. Just a reminder, make sure you're subscribed to the 1012 podcast so you don't miss a single episode during the football season. Two, rate and review the show. Five stars, please. It helps guests get the word out about the show to other people. Plus, we just like to know what you like and don't like. Just if you're going to give us one star, let us know why. We appreciate it. Don't forget, if you want to be part of our first mailbag episode this month, shoot us your question. You can DM us on Twitter, at 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast, or you can shoot it to us in an email. That's 1012podcast, T-E-N, number 12, word podcast, at gmail.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.